With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Ross Green here, coming to you live from Freeport, Maine. It's another segment of Parenting Your Challenging Child, um, joined by Jennifer Trethway, the social media coordinator at Lives in the Balance and a parent in her own right. Jennifer, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am feeling much better than I was yesterday. Um, Good news. Thank you. (laughs) We are also joined by our Director of Outreach at Lives in the Balance and a parent in her own right, Kim Hopkins. Kim, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. I am glad. Um, We have a lot of email in the queue, but we also have a caller already. And as you know, callers take top priority on this program. Should we jump into calls right off the bat here? Sure. Here we go. Uh, This caller is coming to us from Ottawa uh, in uh, Canada. You're on the air. What's on your mind today? Hi there. This is really weird. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, but haven't done this yet. Um, (laughs) Now you can listen to yourself. uh, Yeah, that's going to be great. Um, (laughs) So I have, just just for background's sake, I have three kids. Uh, They're 9, 11, 13. Um, All three of them are diagnosed with ADHD. and uh, my house is a bit of a, it, it's, it's a lot. Um, so I have kind of two questions that I have. Um, my first one is about Plan C. Um, how do you plan C adult expectations um, that will have an effect on the other kids? Um, so as an example... My nine-year-old, um, his his behavior is uh, has become significantly more challenging since the start of school. Um, he's become very oppositional and explosive, and I know he's holding it together all day at school, and we're getting the brunt of it at home. Um, so my partner and I have talked about plan seeing, you know, a lot of our expectations for him. Um, but if I don't kind of hold those expectations, especially around the morning routine, um, then he just follows his siblings around, like yelling nonsense at them and hitting and calling them names and distracting them from what they need to do. 
um, and I, I, I don't know what to do. That is a great, first of all, I'm sorry about the situation, but it's a great example of the need for what we call an interim plan. Mm. So plan C can, you can do plan C in a few different ways. One is to just not bring up an expectation that you've removed. And a good example of that is at 8 o'clock at night when you would normally tell your child to brush their teeth, you're not telling them to brush their teeth. If they brush them, that's great. If they don't, you've plan seed it, right? Okay. But, and, and this goes for classrooms too. Another manifestation of plan C is what we call an interim plan. This is where you've removed the morning expectations for your son, but you're having what we might call um, you know, side effects from that. It's affecting other people adversely. And a parallel to that mm-hmm. would be like if a classroom teacher removed an expectation and the student was wandering around the classroom bugging other kids, right? We need an interim right. plan there too. We've removed the expectation, but we've got side effects, right? So that, is, that re- represents the need for an interim plan where you and your son are sitting down together and saying, now, we're not expecting you to do these things in the morning at the moment, but we do need to figure out what you are going to be doing in the morning um, besides Mm. what you're currently doing. Whether that, I don't know what what your possibilities are, but some parents would say, uh, that could also cause trouble, by the way. Um, So it's you and your son coming up with a plan together for what it's going to look like while the expectation is removed. Hmm. Not a solution not a solution to the expectations he's having difficulty meeting. It's what he's going to be doing while he's busy not meeting them, while the expectations are removed. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, that makes total sense. That's when you need an interim plan, when you've removed it, but it's affecting other people adversely. Right. So, hey, we're not, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to ask him to get dressed. I'm trying not to ask him to, you know, pack his bag, like I'll grab his bag if he hasn't done it and just, you know, pack it, not ask him to do it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, talk to him about, hey, like I'm not having you do these things anymore, but that doesn't mean that <laughs> wandering around after your siblings <laughs> and um, irritating them is, is what we need to do. Um, interesting. Okay. What, what can we be doing see. instead? Right. Um, he's, I'm assuming he's going to say something to do with screens, which is going to mean that the siblings are going to have a hard time with that. But we will all, all have a conversation with him. <laughs> well, it still does have to be a plan that's workable. So just because he proposes right. something doesn't mean that it works, right? Um, right. It does sound that's like true. you need a plan in place for what he's going to be doing besides bugging his siblings while these expectations have been removed. Right. I, I mean, my mind always goes to predicting the future and catastrophizing because that's part of well, how my brain works. Um, <laughs> he has never really been able to like play alone um, and kind of self-direct uh, play. Uh, he is always 
with somebody else. Um, so yeah, we will have to think hard about about options for that. But that's I like I like that I like that. We can plan see the expectations, but then we can have an interim plan see about what we're going to do in the meantime. Cool. You got it. Cool. That's that's an interim plan. Okay. I I suspect I suspect it's going to be a similar answer for my second question. Um, my oldest um, has a very strong need um, for people to follow the rules um, and do things that are expected of them um, to the point where uh, she kind of steps in to parent her siblings despite like us being right there like we're like you know you're not babysitting them this is like you can step back and let mom and dad do their job like it's been a constant refrain since she was like two with me being like are you his mommy no are you his daddy no okay you don't need to worry about this this is mommy and daddy's job um and again so I can remove the expectation that she not parent talk at her siblings um but that means She's going to do it more, and her siblings understandably uh, get really upset uh, when she talks to them like she's their parent um, and tells them what to do and what not to do. And uh, um, yeah, so that's another one of my super awesome dynamics. Um, and I it, obviously telling her not to do it doesn't work, or else it would have worked a long time ago. Um, you know she gets it like she knows right that it's not her job um but she can't can't stop herself from doing it um so how how could i approach that you know i'm going to defer here to kim who has a a, a household situation that bears some similarity to yours. I don't know if her daughter acts okay. the same way with her son, but she's got an interesting little dynamic going there. And even if she doesn't, um, she, she, she's going to tell you what to do. Um, Kim, you're up. That's so funny that you remember that because I think I've only mentioned it once. But, yes, I have a uh, – my 11-year-old is, like, the second parent because she has a very hard time when her brother, who's five, almost six – is not doing what he needs to do, which um, is kind of frequent. So, um, yeah, well, uh, my first question is, I mean, we, we could talk about plan seeing this, but I, I was curious to know because I, I'm not sure, um, are you up for proactive plan B on this one, or is it not a high priority for you at this time and you're working on other things? We are working on other things. Okay. Just wanted to be clear on that. Um, okay. So, you know, I think – AMC, just like Dr. Green was talking about in your first example of um, having an interim plan, uh, it could look, it could take many different forms. But, you know, I know that I would be looking for some separation. Now, I know that separating your daughter from your other children all day long is not necessarily, you know, going to happen, but maybe there are key times. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, the after school before dinner period or the getting ready for bedtime period, like picking maybe a time frame or two that it seems to be most uh, happening <laughs> would be a start to try to then figure out, you know, how do I sort of strategically uh, keep things cool here? And um, separation would be one of the ways 
that um, a Band-Aid plan could be uh, in place. You know, the other thing maybe Hmm. is um, thinking about, which I've done with my daughter to a degree, is, you know, when you see your brother doing something that he shouldn't do, you know, I know you need to handle it. Um, is Is there something you could do with your feelings about it that don't involve saying something to him, <laughs> which mm. is maybe a hair beyond the plan C, but it is still in that realm because I'm not doing, you know, the three steps of plan B. I'm just sort of saying like, how do we, what do we do with your feelings about it so that he's not escalating anymore from your input. Right. And so yeah. um, she's tried writing it down. That didn't work. Um, she has escaped to her room. And then she has a few things in her room that she likes to do, her music, her reading, um, her art. And so she'll spend like 20 minutes up there, but that's on her. I'm not sending her there. That would be plan A. It's what she has chosen right. to do. And it does sort of, she said, wow, that really helps, <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, so we haven't solved, you know, what's hard for her when he's not doing what he needs to do beyond the fact that he's a yeller, screamer. Um, so he gets noisy and, and that's irritating for everybody, but it's more than that. Yeah. It's not just that it's, it's the actual, he's not following the rules part. And, uh, so right. anyway, <clears throat> a couple of thoughts for you there. Okay. I don't know if your kid does this, but I, I love that my kids will, she'll get upset at them not doing what they're supposed to be doing while at the same time <laughs> not doing what she's supposed to be doing. I'm like, I, <laughs> can, can you apply the same rules to yourself, please? That would be super. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh gosh. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the moment. And then later she, she tends to get it. But, oh, yes, we live that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, oh, anybody no. else have any suggestions? Jennifer, go ahead. We, if, you, if you've got we, your two cents to throw we in We are a one-child household, so <laughs> I don't have a lot of sibling, sibling issue experience because I've only got one. Um, right. But the only, the only other thing that I would add is that oftentimes Plan C, when there's more than one person involved, involves a lot of empathy, traditional empathy, mm-hmm. not, not drilling empathy. A lot of, yeah, I can really, I know, I can see how that really bothers you. <laughs> um, you know, just, just a lot of making sure that they understand, that you recognize that it's, it's something that they find challenging, and then a lot of perhaps but right now we're, you know, working on this. So what can we, you know, even if it's not, like Kim said, a full-blown plan C or full-blown plan B, if something is really bothering someone and the empathy doesn't cut it, then it could be, well, is there something that we could do right now that would make it a little bit better? But okay. a lot of empathy. Sorry, I'm just writing that down. And to me, this sounds um, quite cool. plan Bable. Um I hope so. But just to give you the <laughs> benefit of my children being older, my son is now 21 and my daughter is now 24. He used to complain endlessly. 
that he didn't need a second mother. Mm-hmm. But they're also now the best of friends. Um, mm. And the other good news is that I have an older sister who um, may actually yet still think that she is my mother, and um, <laughs> I'm still doing okay. That's fair. I feel like if she was significantly older than them, it would be different. But I'm like, listen, you're 20 months older than him. Like, you're <laughs> you're not uh, you're not doing so hot either. Maybe maybe work maybe work on yourself instead of them. Um, but yeah, uh, you're right. It, this dynamic will not last forever. It will eventually stop. <laughs> well, I'm not, not saying it won't last forever, but. Um... You can work on it if you want to give it a shot. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. We appreciate you calling in. Thank you. And I will, uh, maybe I'll call you guys back after we do some of this and, and let you know how it went. You are welcome that to do nice that one. anytime. Take care. Awesome. Have, have a great All day. Right. Bye. So I don't think I gave the call-in number at the beginning. It's 347-994-2981. And I think you press the number one to get through to us. That is our only caller at the moment. So we are finally going to get a chance to turn our attention to some email. Are you both game for that? Sure. Sounds good. Here we go. Uh, Dear Dr. Green and team, I have a question about how to follow plan B with a younger child. My child is three years old, and I'm really struggling to find a way to get him in bed or out of the house in the morning. He really has a very strong drive for autonomy, as all children this age, I guess. And even if I don't want to, at some point, I always find myself using plan A. How can I set expectations about when it's time to sleep or to brush teeth without just being commanding, pushing, limiting? Where's the difference for a child this age? And do you have ideas how I can talk with him about the things that get him acting as it seems against us when he has not already clear concepts for what it is that upsets him? I would be very thankful for your ideas, comments, and hope my request is understandable as I'm not a native English speaker. Thanks very much for this website and all your work. Let's help um, this parent. Who's, here's what's nice about this email. They've identified a few unsolved problems for us already. Difficulty getting in bed at night. And if I was to really be picky about that unsolved problem, I'd want to put what time that's supposed to happen in there as part of the unsolved problem. Difficulty getting out of the house in the morning. I'd want to put a time on that one, too. Uh, there are also expectations about... Um, When it's time to sleep, I think that's the getting in bed unsolved problem. Or brushing teeth, that's a new one. So now we have three, (laughs) right? Um, So nice that we already have the unsolved problems identified just in the wording of the email. And nice that you're setting expectations no matter what plan you're using If it's plan A, you're trying to get those expectations met by imposing a solution. If it's plan B, you're trying to get the expectation met by collaborating with your child on a solution. And if it's plan C, you're deciding either that it's not one of the most, it's not a high priority expectation right now, or 
that it's an expectation your child isn't even capable of meeting right now. Beyond that, um, I guess the big question is, how does Plan B look any different with a three-year-old? And um, I've always said no. Same three steps. Chronological age is not the primary factor that determines what Plan B looks like. A child's ability to participate through the spoken word is primarily what decides what Plan B is going to look like. So I don't think chronological age is the primary issue. I've done Plan B with three-year-olds that went a whole lot more smoothly than some Plan Bs I've done with some 17-year-olds. Um, we don't want to think about this in terms of chronological age. We want to think about it as the ability of the kid to participate through the spoken word, which, of course, is the preferred modality of us adults, but sometimes we've got to get creative if a kid is not able to participate in the spoken word. Anyways, so I'm not sure there is a major difference between doing Plan B with a three-year-old. Once again, parent, you've identified the unsolved problems as already, so you're in good shape there. I don't think you need a whole lot of help identifying unsolved problems. Um, what I would be interested in, if you want to write us back, is what is it? Is there anything about your three-year-old in particular? that you feel is making it hard for you to do plan B on these issues, assuming that you're trying to do it proactively. Because maybe it's not the fact that it's a three-year-old. Maybe there's something about your child, irrespective of your child's age, that's making it hard for them to participate in the process of doing plan B. In any event, that's my usual response. But <laughs> um, Kim and Jennifer, please weigh in. My immediate thought is always when someone talks about having their kids have trouble having a verbal conversation, um, my brain immediately goes to the five-finger method uh, because when my son, who was much older than three, uh, was having trouble having any kind of a conversation with us. We relied very heavily on the five-finger method uh, and still sometimes go back to it when something is difficult to talk about. Uh, but it doesn't require your kid to come up with any ideas or give any suggestions on their own. It just requires them to respond to you uh, and if you're not familiar with the five-finger method, uh, handy little trick that Dr. Green taught us um, to ask questions. I see that you're having difficulty getting into bed tonight or last night or whenever. Uh, is it because there are aliens under your bed and you think that they're going to want to come out and snuggle with your toys? I always start with something really silly and then hold up your fingers. Five is, yes, that's it exactly. Four is, that's mostly it. Three, that's kind of it. Two, that's a little bit it. One, that's not it at all. Um, if five fingers is too much, go to thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, but it can be a very easy way to, or not easy, a very simple way to start a conversation with a kid who doesn't have the capacity to express that to you uh, in that in your empathy step and when you're drilling. The only other thing that I would say is that 
it's sometimes as a parent when you get frustrated in the moment and you give in and you revert to plan A, it can be, it can feel very defeating and you can feel like, well, now I'm done with this, but you haven't destroyed everything. You've just had a moment of plan A. And the best thing that I've found in those moments is to go back to my kid later and say, you know, when we were talking about bedtime last night and I yelled and I said, you have to do this or else. And that's not how I wanted our conversation to go. I'm sorry that it it went that way. And let's talk about how we could do things differently. It can become a way into a plan B conversation. Uh, you should never be afraid to apologize for plan A to your kid because then you're modeling to them the kinds of things that you want them to be able to do. Those are my two cents. <laughs> I think you guys pretty yeah, well covered it. Um, yeah, the only thing I would add is I love that there's three unsolved problems. I would say when you're new to this, just pick one to focus on. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, and even older kids and even kids who seem to be plenty verbal need to have some version of a five-finger method to give information. And it, it's really, you know, I'm thinking about all these times when my son was, you know, a year old, 15 months, 18 months um and it's all, and I'm doing the model with him, and it's all in how I was perceiving what he was doing. That's really the key here is the lenses you're wearing um, to view what's happening. And so that positions you if, you know, if she can't give verbal feedback or as much as you're looking for, but that's where your guesses are going to come from. The kids do well if they can lenses. Um, yeah, so I'm just I'm all caught up in all my memories of of doing some very public <laughs> emergency plan Bs with a very loud teen month old who was throwing things. <laughs> um, but they, they that, that was emergency B and it did work. It did get us back to baseline. Um, and gratefully now we do a lot more proactive plan B and he's actually doing quite well. So. That's, that's an interesting point because when people are first starting with this model, they're probably ending up doing more emergency plan B than we'd want them to be. They're often overwhelmed by the sheer number of unsolved problems that have stacked up over time until they've identified them. But as time goes on, and you're chipping away at all those unsolved problems, hopefully mostly proactively, then um, once the pile is no longer there, the pile of accumulated unsolved problems, then you're only having to deal with the unsolved problems that are directly in front of you. Of course, if you're doing plan B from the word go, you're always only dealing with the unsolved problems that are in front of you. But if um, you've only recently come to plan B, then you probably do have a pile in front of you that you have to work your way through before you can get to the point where you're only dealing with the ones that are in front of you. 
Um, so it can be a little bit overwhelming in the beginning just because of all of those stacked up unsolved problems. It doesn't, it's not as easy in the beginning because um, it's a whole lot, it's, it's easier to deal just with unsolved problems that are in front of you. It takes a little while to get there when you're starting off with a pile of them, but um, it does happen. Shall we move on to another email? Sure. Here we go. My son is eight years old. We have had some behavioral issues since preschool age. My son was recently diagnosed with ADHD, and in doing research, I now believe the majority of our issues at home stem from a low frustration tolerance. I was so excited after reading The Explosive Child. I guess, honestly, I was hoping, naively so, that now I would know how to handle my son, and suddenly I would be able to magically cure the meltdowns and prevent future <laughs> ones. Anyways, so my son had a meltdown, which happens most days of the week, usually over something minor and often over something I have no control over. More than half the time, the meltdown involves him being angry at me. I waited until the following day when he was calm. It was just me and him in the car. I, I casually brought up my observations about his emotions during this meltdown, during his meltdown the day before. I tried to ask him how he was feeling at the time and what he thinks we could do differently in the future. And me asking this, I swear I stayed calm, incited another meltdown and became so angry at me. I was so discouraged I have not retried this approach. Any suggestions for me besides just trying again? Thank you so much for your time. Uh, an interesting email. Yes. Uh, which of you wants to take a stab at that one? <laughs> I can certainly uh, say something. I'll kick it off, but I'm not going to say all my thoughts. So you guys can jump in. But um, <laughs> Oh, come on, that Sam. I wrote we want to hear all your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to be a hog, you know. Um, I always take notes when you're reading emails um, because I'm not a very good auditory processor, number one, and I'll forget, you know, but, but I always look at the salient things I wrote and underlined while you're talking. And I wrote, um, you know, um, I brought up the emotions he was feeling. I asked about how he was feeling, and that incited a meltdown. So to me – that actually means the focus was on the behavior. Um, even though it, you might not have said, you know, you screamed at me, you yelled at me, right? But because you said, you know, some version of you were angry, you were frustrated or something like that, that um, it, it uh, smells of behavior, right? And so I could actually see how that might have been inciting. Um, and certainly you went into it very well-meaning and all of that, you know, we would like you to go farther upstream. So you sort of focused on what he was feeling and, and, and eventually what it looked like when he was in the water. We say go farther upstream, what pushed him in in the first place, right? And um, you may not know exactly maybe because um, that certainly happens, right? But some sort of some sort of entry about the setting, right? So if you want to prioritize, and I would say, you know, it all starts with the ALSIP so that you're not flying by the seat of your pants, right, and that you do have uh, a pretty good picture of trying to make your child as predictable as possible. 
um, so that you're intentionally deciding which big fish unsolved problem are we working on right now and what are we using plan C for to keep things calm, right? So I wouldn't necessarily just sort of fly with something that happened yesterday unless it's a high-priority unsolved problem. But that being said, say you did decide to go with what happened yesterday, right, and you have no idea why you saw this meltdown outburst that seemed to be – related to him being upset with you, angry at you, right? And you're kind of clueless. I would at least set the scene by saying, you know, something about um, you had you had difficulty yesterday um, when uh, mommy was cleaning up after lunch, right? And, and I know that's not greatly worded because I'm using the word when, which I really don't want to be using. I really do want a verb after that word difficulty. Um, difficulty waiting for mommy to be done cleaning up lunch. Maybe that would actually be much cleaner, right? But some sort of comments about the time of day, what was actually happening, what would you have wanted him to be doing instead of melting down? Like, what was he supposed to be doing? You know, was he supposed to be waiting for you to clean up after lunch? Then I would go with how I worded it. But what was sort of supposed to be happening? That's kind of how you could word it differently. So you're not saying anything about how he was feeling, which, you know, again, kind of whiffs of, like, how he was acting, right? Um, you're talking about what might have pushed him in the water. I would also, I'm a big fan of reassuring him that um, you're not doing plan A, that no one's upset, no one's angry, he's not in trouble, um, you're not telling him what to do, like whatever version of that you feel like you could say um, and feel good about saying. And and probably saying it more than once in the context of even a 10-minute conversation, um, just to be really clear that there's nothing to risk here um, by talking. So I'm going to stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, do you want to try to figure out what Kim was going to say next? (laughs) Well, I would add to all of the good points that Kim has already made um, that two things. One, that when you talk about emotions, it you can't know unless your kid tells you how they're feeling, how they're actually feeling. And one of the difficult things that we see a lot when people are starting out with using plan B is keeping their own assumptions out of it. Uh, And that's, like Kim said about keeping out the behavior, that can be really hard to do. It can be hard to not add in what you think is going on. Uh, As one of the moderators in our Facebook group, the B team, loves to say, be curious, not furious. Uh, and, (laughs) and that way you're, you're not putting what you think is going on. You're, you really in that drilling process want to find out, you want to ask what was happening, not put in what you think was happening. And the other thing that I was going to add, I have completely lost in my head now. (laughs) It's gone. Just, just try to think about Maybe what Kim would say. Maybe it'll come back. 
I told you I was trying to share time. Jeez. Okay, next time I'm just going to talk the entire time and not let either one of you say a word. Good. That never troubles me when I do that. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> well, I don't actually have anything to add to what you both were saying. So, Kim, if there were other things you would want to would have wanted to say, go ahead. Well, now I've completely lost anything. So, no, I think I think that was the, that was the crux of it. That was the that was the meat of it for sure. So. The only the only thing I would add is, mom, mom, don't give up. Do retry, but watch some of the videos on the Lives in the Balance website because what mostly needs tuning up here is how you're doing Plan B. Um, and here's what's interesting. It's not magical. It's hard work. But when you're doing it as it's supposed to be done, and it can actually feel quite magical, um, I get emails frequently from people telling me what a transformation um, this model produced in their household or in their classroom or in interactions with a particular kid. So it's not magic that you're shooting for, although you're happy to be pleasantly surprised, I'm sure. Good for you for doing it when your child was calm. Um, you weren't real specific I just about remembered. what? Nope, too late. I, um, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> let, me just, let me just finish my thoughts, because I'm much sure. more likely to forget than you both are. I understand. Um, yes. You've got experience with me. Um, with, Mom, you weren't real specific about what the unsolved problem was. Um, I know it involves him being angry at you, but that doesn't tell us what the unsolved problem is. So the only other thing that I'm concerned about is something you weren't real specific about, and that is the wording of your unsolved problem. Um, what he's angry about with you is probably a specific expectation that he's having difficulty meeting that you're expecting him to meet. You'll want to be real specific about that because if you start your empathy step with, I've noticed that you get angry at me a lot, what's up? It's going nowhere. So that's the only other thing I would add to that. And now, hopefully, <laughs> um, our memories are intact. Go ahead. Yes. The, the other thing that I was going to add is that I found with my son for a long time, he would get upset conversation that we were having. His, his, he would start to get dysregulated. And I would think, why is he getting upset? We're having this very calm conversation. And finally, one day I said to him in the conversation, what you're, how come you're getting you're getting upset now? You know, we're just talking. I'm not angry. I'm just. And he said, "You're yelling at me." And I said, "I'm, I'm not yelling at you." But his perception of the way that I was talking was that I was angry. And his way of expressing that to me was to tell me, "You're yelling at me." So it took a lot of reassurance in that conversation that I wasn't angry, but it was his perception and my perception were so entirely different. And that I think happens with a lot of kids, especially in the beginning of the plan B journey, that they're so used to plan A that 
they still feel like you're angry, even if that's not what you're trying to portray. And sometimes it's important to just address that. Because I was amazed when he said, you're yelling at me. I'm thinking, that, this isn't yelling, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you remembered to tell us that. <laughs> I think we have time for one more. Shall we give it a shot? Sure. This one says, I read the book Lost at School, and it is amazing, but I'm still confused what to do in the moment when there's an explosion. And I think this is from a classroom teacher, by the way, but that's okay. It's, it's relevant to parents as well, especially at the beginning before you get really on top of it. There are still blow-ups. Like when the kid is hurting other kids, what do you do? It seems from what I see here that holding them down is the absolute worst thing to do. But in the moment, and when other kids are being hurt, I just don't see what else to do. And, of course, this is an interesting issue. Lives in the Balance, as many people know, is very engaged on the federal legislation, um, the Keeping All Students Safe Act that we are hoping passes this time, that would ban seclusion in American public schools and greatly restrict the use of restraint. Um, and it's a very good question. There, there can be a rocky period between, quote-unquote, getting on top of it um, and there still being some explosions. But I also don't want to – so getting on top of it is the part that needs to be defined. Hopefully, an assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems has been completed. Now that these days is about a 30 to 45-minute process. So that should not, not be a major impediment to getting on top of it, but it needs to happen for us to get on top of it. We are then deciding – which unsolved problems are we going to try working on right now, solving? That's going to be the ones we're approaching with Plan B. And which ones are we removing for now? That's Plan C. We're, only, we're never working on more than three at any particular given point in time. So it's only those three that we haven't solved yet, technically, that could be causing a kid to exhibit concerning behaviors because the ones that we put in plan C should not be causing concerning behaviors because those expectations have been removed for now. And that is a very important part of helping us get to the rocky period of moving from one way of doing things to another way of doing things. The good news is the ALSIP is 30 to 45 minutes. That's quick. We can do that today. We can decide today which unsolved problems we are removing, which expectations we are not expecting the kid to meet at this point in time, and get rid of a bunch of concerning behaviors that way that could lead to a restraint or seclusion. So let me put that another way. Plan C is a very important ingredient in dramatically reducing our reliance on restraint and seclusion. So now, really, the primary rocky period is only on the unsolved problem we've decided we are solving right now, and we just haven't quite gotten to plan B on those yet. But if we do one on Tuesday, and one on Wednesday, and one on Thursday, and if we're 
fortunate and those solutions work. I'm having trouble coming up with why we would be doing restraint and seclusion on Friday. Kim or Jennifer, anything to add to that? Um, no, I don't think so. Although, I mean, I would say that, um, say, you know, today being Tuesday, right? Say for logistical reasons, you're not able to get the house stuff done until Friday or Monday or something like that. Plan C is still in your pocket, proactive plan C and emergency plan C still in your pocket. And so you definitely would, you, you probably already have an idea of what some of the expectations are um, prior to of going through the LSIF and getting a full look, right? And so I would say you're in plan C then for everything until you get that LSIF done and then you decide what it is you are going to start working on. And I would add I think that's a um, plan great C. Point. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. okay. Um, and then also just focusing on connecting because my guess is if plan A has happened, some disconnecting has happened between the adults and the kids. So just relationship building, connecting, removing the expectations temporarily, get that else up done, and then start deciding what you're going to be working on. Excellent. Let me make one last point because then we got to hop off. My experience is that the vast majority of restraints and seclusions occur on expectations we already know the kid cannot reliably meet. So if we take a really close look at the expectations we're putting on a kid and get rid of the ones we're putting on the kid that we already know the kid cannot reliably meet, we're getting rid of a lot of restraint and seclusion that way. On that note... We need to call it a day. Thank you both, as always. <laughs> this was a fun program. Always good to get to the emails that have uh, come in that we didn't have a chance to get to on prior programs, but we'll do it again next week, uh, next month, oh, God, next month, our <laughs> holiday edition um, podcast, and um, we'll talk to you all then. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BDW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus